Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of MLS Now Podcast. My name is David. Back with another episode on team-based. As you guys probably heard already, uh, we did one with RSL that you guys probably will hear by the time this episode comes out. Miami and Cincinnati. We've done uh, quite a few lately that are coming out and we have also are planning to do one with Dynamo, St. Louis. A little bit of everything, honestly. A little bit of everything to keep you guys entertained you guys heard the lafc one now to keep us updated and this time we're going to the east we're going to talk about philadelphia union a team that you guys know very well and to talk about philadelphia union you guys are going to hear evan talk about the union better than i do evan thank you so much for making time and i really appreciate it of course thank you for having me uh, first of all, before I get started, the question I ask everyone, how did you get involved? How, how did you become a union fan? What made you want to follow the team? Absolutely. I mean, I have the story that I think is exactly what I like seeing about the sport growing in this country, which is the team came when I was a young kid. My dad took me along to the games the first year, the first uh, home game ever I was at. And from there, you know, you know how it goes. You go to one, next thing you know, you've got the season tickets. The next thing you know, Next thing I know, I'm writing about the team and doing everything I can to be involved. So just, you know, tagging along to our first ever home game. And it just grew from there. I was obsessed immediately. And the atmosphere helps, right? Like the soccer atmosphere. I understand football, basketball, baseball all has its atmosphere. But soccer's atmosphere is just different. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I bring friends to the ga- to their first games all the time. And they've been to plenty of Eagles games and stuff like that, which have great atmospheres. But... I tell them there's just nothing like it. You, it's so different. And I mean, I haven't had anyone unhappy yet. Not yet. Unless you guys lose a crucial game. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, we're going to talk a little bit about everything, basically, with uh, with Union, with the Union. And it's a team that regular, Evan, let, let's say, I mean, you guys have been, when it comes to playoffs, at least a successful club. The Union have joined the playoffs since 2019. You guys haven't missed the playoffs. It's a team that mm-hmm. almost, and I'm not comparing it because I know that Sounders had a ba- a bigger stretch of years, but it's almost like the union almost guaranteed a playoff spot. No, absolutely. I mean, we suffered through maybe the most miserable six or seven years to start a team that anyone in this league's seen. I don't know if the numbers, but I have to imagine it's close. Uh, we made the playoffs our second year, lost immediately in the first round without scoring, and didn't go back for, I believe, six full seasons, maybe seven. So... We definitely endured the worst before getting there. But ever since, I mean, up from, I think it was the 2017 or 18 season when we made the playoffs for the first time again, um, since that drought, uh, we progressed further and had more points every single year up through 2021 and then 2022 making MLS Cup. We've just been going one more step up every single year, which is why I feel like you won't see much disappointment until probably this season from fans of this team, just because it's been getting exponentially better every single year. Team's been getting better, better players, more money spent, all of those things. Uh, and like you said, yeah, we're built in a way where we expect to be in the top four or five of the conference pretty much always. Uh, and it's something that I think we take for granted nowadays. And you mentioned it very well since I think 2019 as well, 2020. Either way, five, last four or five seasons, Union has been top three, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. In my, I mean, I follow the league for a while now. I follow the league since woo back in the days when uh, Carlos Ruiz was the goal scorer of the league, and <laughs> and when you guys, I mean, first place, second place, third place, haven't dropped from those two top three spots within the last four years, 
and and Evan, I think it's a it's a bigger accomplishment when you don't have a huge, big international star player that you're able to achieve this. I mean, absolutely. I think last season we were the third lowest salary combined in the league and being five minutes away from winning everything, not to go into that right now, but being essentially the best or the second best team in the league on result, um, being, you know, losing the shield on the tiebreaker, being up there the entire year. And yet, you know, spending, I think a third of what a lot of these other teams in the playoffs, some of these teams missing the playoffs are spending. And no, like you said, no big international star, no retired washed up player coming into sell jerseys. That happened once with Marco Fabian and he lasted, you know, all of eight months here before being kind of sent out of town with no real memory of that. So it, they've, they've gone with this approach of, you know, the team is greater than the individual young players, cheap discounted players kind of getting on in the years. And it's worked, it's worked wonders. It's really shown it can work in other teams. Now I think of Cincinnati, especially are following in suit. You, you hit it right on the spot, right? There's, there's two types of MLS teams. There's that type of MLS team that, one buys the big star players and wants to focus on that, bring the jersey sales up, get the team up for a season or two. And then there's that team that doesn't want a big star players that wants to focus on his academy, wants to build the homegrown players, wants to build great character in the players. And it, I've always said it, right? If you're not going to spend big money on transfers, then do what the union are doing. Trust the players you have, build character, build an identity. You, the, the union, I mean, you guys, you're a follower, you know this. The union have managed to, one, have other teams scared of them or not want to face them because they know the type of team they're going to face without having big stars. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's And it's the way they play, too. I mean, lowest possession in the league, highest pressing. It's us and Red Bull that play that, I mean, energy drink style soccer, as it's often referred to, of give the other team the ball, sit back, trust your back line. And then, you know, use speed and pounce when it's there. We don't want the ball. We don't play pretty. It is an ugly game to watch most of the time, but it works. It's nothing, nothing about the way it's run is glamorous. Nothing about the players on the field are glamorous, but you know, it works and it works a lot better than these teams. I think of Chicago, you know, paying Shakiri the highest salary in the league to come here and do nothing at all. It, it, it might not get the jersey sales up like at the start. But between that and the play style, it has teams terrified. It does. And you, you mentioned, right, they're spending big money on big players who are not helping much. Look at Toronto. Toronto's in their last place, and they have the biggest wages in the league. Absolutely, yeah. You you mentioned that um, there's frustrations at the moment. One win in the last four games. How how are you feeling? How are you keeping up with it? Like, how are you keeping up with, with the results? Is it frustrating for you at the moment? I mean, you have a playoff spot guaranteed. But, of course, you want your team to go in mm -hmm. to the playoffs confident, right? One win in the last four games, two ties in a row, I believe. How are you seeing the team lately? Honestly, I'm not really all that worried. The thing that really cost us was the beginning of the season. We were focused on Champions League, and that was the right decision in my eyes. But we did put out you know, a lot of rotational players in a lot of games. Through pretty much all of March and April, we were playing homegrowns. And really, with the travel, we were playing MLS games on every Saturday. And we were in Central America every Wednesday. And... We paid the price. We lost some ugly games. We gave up a couple of really unfortunate late goals just due to that, you know, exhaustion. And that kind of put us in a hole. But since then, I haven't been worried. There's been a couple of stretches here and there. I think of the two times Andre Blake's been absent happened to be our two terrible stretches. But, you know, as, as that is to be expected. And now it's, it's less, I'm less worried than that. Uh, the draws against, I mean, the draw against Cincinnati, 
I'm not too upset with. Yes, that game we had the three points, but you know, the best team in the league, I'll take a point. The Charlotte game, 2-0 down of 70 minutes and to fight back three times this year, we've come back from 2-0 down on the road, 25 minutes or less. So, I mean, that's the kind of, that's our style, getting those ugly Wednesday night results in games where five years ago we would have lost 3-4-0. And then, you know, the Toronto game a couple weeks back, that one loss in that stretch, it happens. Every year there's going to be a game where we go on the road on a Wednesday to some awful team and just don't show up. And it, it sucks on the day, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I feel like it happens to every team in this league. You can't really avoid it with the travel. It does happen. And MLS teams are not known for having a big depth in the roster. Um, most has to do with the rules, uh, the homegrown players, things like that, right? Yeah, that Charlie game, I think, what, 96th minute, 95th minute, the tire? Yeah, I think uh, the penalty was, yeah, 96 or 97. Has to feel like a win at a point, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and Charlotte had us last year. I don't know if you remember, but second to last week of the season, we were, the supporter shield was in our hands. All we had to do was win our last two games. Uh, and we went down to Charlotte, unbeaten in something like two months and lost 4-0 with nine men. And no one had an explanation. It was just the ugliest game I've watched from us in maybe years. So it felt good to not have that happen again. No, I mean, I remember watching the Union, to be honest with you, back when Carlos Ruiz was there as well. Um, mm. he, he had a little bit of sting there, scoring some goals. And <laughs> the atmosphere there has always been tremendous, especially sold out. Going back a little bit, right? I didn't want to touch on this, but I'll, I'll mention it. Of course. How, for you, as a fan, as a follower, as a writer, as a podcaster, everything, how frustrating was that game against Miami? It was it was weird. I it was still in that first couple of weeks of the messy thing, and no one really knew what to expect. He, it was still new. It didn't feel real to me that he was here. And you know, I had we had an eye on the bracket, seeing that it could happen. And all of a sudden, you know, the way league stuff was working, we found out three days before we were hosting Messi, and there was a panic to get tickets, and everyone I knew was fighting to get tickets and charging each other ridiculous amounts. So there was that chaos and then showing up, knowing, knowing that, you know, the greatest player in the world is about to be a few feet away from you and it's probably going to sink your favorite team. A feeling I can't describe, but I was confident, you know, I, I felt good about the squad we had, even with the injuries we had on that day. And we just fell asleep. We, we did the classic union thing, which is, you know, not show up, not be clinical, individual errors, you know, handing Damian Lowe, handing Joseph Martinez the ball run goal three minutes in you, you knew you knew within three minutes that game was over but it, it was a great experience and at the end of the day i don't think anyone was going to stop them so it, it stung a bit less than some recent games now going in going in evan let's go into the roster here of course. A, a player that i've i've applauded i've been really happy very proud of to be honest with you i've mentioned him so many times on the past podcast carranza I remember I, I remember perfectly when Coran and Pellegrini came into the league. They were going to be Inter-Miami's young stars. They were going to be breaking the league. They were good in South America. They were a promise in South America. And Miami was the hot team, right? The new team. And Coran unfortunately, had a, had a moment where he needed a new club. He was, I think, benched, even sent to the reserves. And then Union surprised everyone by getting him. And Coranza has been a different player. He he's, he is what you want, right? When it comes to redemption. And he has taken that opportunity and has run away with it. And 
fit. I mean, you can tell, right? His confidence like has improved so much as to the player he was. He he's aggressive. He fights for the ball. He doesn't lose it as easily. Um, he gets in the box. He's always looking to be open. That a player like that is what you need, and that tells you great as well how the coaching staff can build a a character out of, out of the player. How have you seen his season um, this year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, it's he needed a change of scenery, and that's the most Philadelphia Union move I think I've seen. Is you know going around finding kind of what is discarded trash from other clubs, players that didn't work out. You know, you can get we got him for five hundred thousand once we triggered the buy option compared to a six million fee that Miami paid. So you know, getting him for practically nothing uh, in the grand scheme of it, and. You know, it was a risk, um, but at the end of the day, it was a low risk. If he didn't work out, he didn't work out. That was that. And if he did, we're looking at rumors of over $10 million in transfer fees um, in this coming winter window. And it's been really interesting to see because the union are a team that have never fared well with a low nine. So I was really skeptical, you know, seeing like a, a big money striker, but it's worked with kind of the the front three. They rotate around. They can kind of, they play very fluidly. You'll see Carranza drop back and Gazdag take a spot. You'll see Uov cycle in with the three. And they've built something that's just really, it's it's not about a player. It, it's really about, it's about the style and it's about the, the, the collective group on the field. And Carranza happens to, you know, he gets in the right spots and he's usually able to finish off those moves. It's, it's really encouraging to see. And I think it's going to reward us with, like I was saying, at least ten million dollars uh, in the next couple of months. He he's a player. If we're talking right, um, European European clubs looking at us. I'm pretty sure there's someone looking at him. He, Absolutely, he, he has been breaking it. Now staying staying with it. You know, I was gonna leave him last, but might as well touch on him. And I've seen <laughs> I have seen some of your tweets. <laughs> tell us tell us about the Kai Wagner situation. Yeah, it's. It's an interesting one. Anyone who's been keeping up with this team and keeping up with what's been going on has seen in the last, honestly, three years now, every single winter or every single summer, it looks like Kai's out the door. It looks like he's, it's his last year here. Every single year, there's offer, there's offers or interest from the Premier League uh, two seasons back, interest from Germany uh, last season. And it just kind of has always seemed like, okay, well, this is, this is the last time. This is the last run. And every single year he, he stays. And now the contract's running out, and it, it, this is actually his last uh, his his last year here. Unless we pay him the money he's asked for, he was very open for the first time with reporters uh, in the last couple weeks, I would say, and said flat out, "This is the amount of money I asked for. They know what I asked for, and they just need to give it to me. It's not my choice. I want to say it's not in my hands," which is kind of the opposite narrative that we had been getting for years. We had always thought he saw this as a stepping stone for better or for worse. And he was going to leave when he, when he was done his contract and to hear that he maybe wasn't planning on that. And the front office was the reason it, it didn't go over well uh, with everyone that I'm in contact with. At least it, it went over really poorly because this is not a team that will treat its players poorly. This is not a team where we've had anyone leave on bad terms minus maybe Jamiro Montero a couple years back. So <laughs> To, to, to see, you know, the front office who has done such an incredible job the last couple of years here, possibly lose what I would argue is our best player, if not top three, over, you know, what probably is three or four hundred thousand dollars a year. I mean, that would be a massive failure on our part. 
And, and you're looking at him, right? You mentioned one of your best players, if not the best players. He's the reason why Union is top four at the moment um, when it comes to best defense in the East. Absolutely. He, he has been massive back there. He has been crucial. In other words, right? Pay the player. Of course. He's, he's shown himself as the best player in his position in the league three years in a row, maybe four years in a row. And he makes, you know, about the average salary of a left back. There's guys making as much as 900,000. He's around six, I believe. Uh, he doesn't need to be a DP. It doesn't seem like he's, you can't waste, you know, a DP spot on a defender, but you can give him everything up to that. You should give him everything up to that. And the fact that that's all it needs to be, and we won't pay him the simple money. If that's, if we're hearing the full story, you know, it's a failure. Like I said, from our front office, it's, it's too simple of a task to keep who's been the best outside back in the most productive defender in league history. If you look at the per game, he provided something like, I think it was 15 or 16 assists last season. He's got six or seven more this year. Yep. I mean, that's 20 something assists in two seasons from a defender who's now this year improved his defensive game as well. And been, incredible uh he's really fixed the only hole in his game and, and staying with the defense goalkeeper wise i mean blake right <laughs> blake is just awesome the same oh yeah. vocally wise how he's like a, a captain as well right mm-hmm. he, he the presence he has back there is tremendous he's a huge part of the union success lately and then you have glessness as well who's another vital player to your defense you mentioned it early on the podcast the union administration and Curtin have done a great job of finding these players who, one, are not expensive, two, are not known to be bright in the league, right? Who are not known to be talked about enough, and then make them those good players that everyone's talking about. The way Curtin has worked it around has been great. Glesnes, Elliot Lowe have, have great chemistry in the back, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, Elliot and Glesnes have they've been staples of this team for the last four years i believe it is now and it 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 was at a point where either of them could have been defender of the year last year and the year before and we didn't know which it was going to be it was we didn't know until the ballot came out which one was going to be there uh which is just incredible to say i mean this year's been a little shaky for a couple of reasons which i'll touch on later but if again like that charlotte game i mentioned a while back if it wasn't for those four goals uh they would have set the record for any defense, any defense in MLS history last season comfortably gave up 26 goals, including that it, it was two thirds of a goal a game in such a high scoring league in a tough Eastern conference. And the stats sound great. And then you look at the context and that's that, you know, it's a $500,000 price tag for the entire defense. Damian Lowe, that allocation money, you know, that was significantly more than we paid for Wagner, Glesnes combined. Ariel was homegrown. Baizo also spent some time with the second team. And then Blake was a draft pick. Elliot was a draft pick. It's it's something like $500,000 for five of the best defensive players in the league. Well, a tremendous job when it comes to building those characters on the team that Curtin has done. And Blake, I mean, again, tremendous. Now, let's talk about Daniel Gazdog. I mean, okay, let's... <laughs> Let's be honest here. I said this before, and I'll say it again. A player that's not talked about much in the MLS community in general, maybe with the union, maybe within that community, MLS-wide, I, in my opinion, I don't feel that we mention him that much. 
yeah, I mean, he's, I, I argue he's the unsung hero of this team, even though he's the one at the top of every stat, I still don't think he gets the credit because he'll occasionally miss a game with, you know, an injury or whatever it might be international duty. And you can see that we just have nothing. He is the glue that holds the midfield to the attack. Yes, the numbers aren't where they were last year, but last year's numbers, you know, you put them in a different season and he's the MVP. He was tied for the golden boot, lost that on the assist tiebreaker, I believe, uh, and still had 10 assists. It was 32 goal contributions in his first full season uh, in the league. And then this year, I mean, obviously open play, the goals haven't been there. They've been split amongst Garanza, but, you know, he's still, he's winning penalties i feel like every other week he's scoring every single one of them which as although it's less impressive is still when we got that penalty last uh two nights ago 97th minute i didn't for one second think it wasn't going in because he scored he's 18 for 18 that's something that we take for granted we've never had to really worry that's impressive tied for the record or pass the record with that one the other night i can't remember but he's hasn't missed a penalty in a game he's you know, he's still provided almost 20 assists across the last year, over 20 assists across the last two seasons, which kind of goes under the radar. And he kind of, if he's not the one creating or scoring, he's the one distracting the center back. He's the one pulling their their, their best defensive player and letting, you know, a Carranza get through. He, he really is, he is all of the creativity that this, this team has. And, and a player we do talk a lot about, or, or at least I mention him when I talk about the union, is Jose Martinez. You know him well. That's another player that's vital to, to the team. In my opinion, he, he is a little, right? Uh, he loses his mind every now and then. Absolutely. <laughs> he's very aggressive, but he's been a, a tremendous help as well to this roster. Yeah, I mean, he is such a great player. And he has that, it, it's not just the Philly grit that, you know, the stereotype would suggest. He is truly insane and it's incredible. And he plays like it. Yeah, the yellow card every single night is a little bit of an issue, but at the end of the day, he is if you just look at the tape and you ignore, you know, you ignore the aggressive side of his game, which works. He he we can really take a star player out of the game like no other player in MLS can. He's you know, he's silenced Lucho Acosta, Hany Mukhtar, um, all those kind of guys. Like you have a big ten come in, he gets on their shoulder. He won't stop talking. He won't stop yelling. He won't stop, you know, winning the ball off them. And he just makes their life so hard. And that is something that, you know, you come to see in this league, every successful team has a very good player at the six. I think of Ilya Sanchez. I think of players like that. Uh, Wobodo, like you, every successful team has gone out and spent money there because it's invaluable. And, you know, you take away his aggression and he's just so defensively sound. His technical ability is great. And now he's somehow added some incredible goals to that, which he was uh, statistically the single worst uh, shooting player in the history of the league through 28 years of existence. And all of a sudden he can't miss. So it, it's been a, definitely a whirlwind. But I mean, at the end of the day, no, no fans going to complain about someone with that much passion, that much that, that, who wears their heart on the sleeve. That's what you pay money to Absolutely. get in every week and see. That's what you want to see. Yeah, you said it. That's what you want to see, right? And we talked about Carranza. We talked about Gasnes. We talked about the defense. I, I mentioned earlier today, right, fourth best in the East when it comes to defense. Third best in the East when it comes to scoring as well. You guys know how to defend and you guys know how to score. Best of both worlds, right? 
Absolutely. I mean, last year was a bit of an oddity last year being number one in the league for both goals against and goals for that was fun. Almost having the best goal difference in league history. That was definitely a fun ride. Credit those to, you know, the, the four different six goal wins, but you know, it's, it's such a balanced team and that's part of what has made this team. So, so solid the last couple of years, like you said, like, I don't think anyone picks them below the top three or four ever because it's one thing to have one of the best defensive lines in the league. It's another thing to have some really good attacking players. It's a very rare. You see a team who has both of those. And it's been a miracle that for, you know, such little money and such little um, presence, I would say, versus a New York or LA market to be able to have such a solid sound team. No, absolutely. Now, one question for you, Evan, as a fan, right? I've seen three different formations used. Four, three, one, mm-hmm. two, three, four, one, two. Again, I'll repeat that four three one two. I know that sounds similar, and a three four one two, and a four mm-hmm. one two one two. Now, I think I was talking to was the Cincinnati episode where they also play with three in the back. Yep. You, as a fan, as a follower, what is your preferred formation? Do you think the three in the back works for the Union, or do you feel more confident when there's four back there? Yeah. So my answer to this question would have been very different about two months ago. To preface for the last two entire years. We played a four-one-two-one-two and would rarely ever change that. We would very, very occasionally um, swap into what Union fans have dubbed the Christmas tree and have you know those two attacking midfielders and then the one lone striker. But you know, having Carranza and Uwa, we really haven't. As long as they're healthy and their health has been pretty solid, we've really always tried to have two out there. So it's been the four-one-two-one-two. It's been that diamond that you know the Union have kind of popularized in the league, and it worked really well. It worked defensively it helped us you know concede almost the fewest goals in the history of the league and then it got kind of stale and then with a couple injuries at the beginning of this year and some international duty we didn't have the players to fit it and it got very it got very easy to play against because if you can control the wings like these teams with three in the back do you have those wing backs we had no answer because we had you know our best chance was Ali Bedoya at 36 almost 37 years old getting out there so we saw for the first time as far back as I can remember, if ever for this team, uh, three center backs this year. And it, I loved it at first. It worked really nicely. Damian Lowe was really, really good coming in. He had said he always wanted to come play for this team. He had connections that came back to the club from almost 10 years back. And he finally got his chance and he looked really solid. And it let Kai Wagner get really far up the pitch. It let uh, Harry Owen Baizu get really far up the pitch. And then it started to just crumble. Uh, Damian Lowe has been all over the place this year. Over the summer, he started to really struggle. Just countless errors. And to be expected, you know, no one's saying he needs to be perfect coming into a new team, especially with, you know, the congestion of a a schedule. But he he got to a point where he was a liability and we couldn't play him. Uh, And the positioning for the midfielders... they were covering too much ground and one thing led to another. And all of a sudden we were getting embarrassed. We were getting ran into circles around. I remember uh, the LA galaxy game back in July where we just, we, we switched to the three back and we fell apart. Um, so for the beginning of the season, it was really great. Now I think we've gone back kind of to what works and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. One thing Evan, we talked about the, the four games, right? Uh, one win in the last four games. Now, you guys are, I mean, just four points away from seven spot, I think. Um, uh, yeah, seven spot. I don't think you guys are, I mean, playoffs clinched already, right? But here's yeah. my question to you. 
if, and luckily or not, if there was a, if the union were still on the limbo to not make it to the playoffs or make it, or make it into the playoffs, the next three games would be games that you wouldn't want to decide if you were to be in the playoffs or not. Yeah, you're, fa- you're, you're facing LAFC, you're facing Dallas, you're facing the crew, you're facing Atlanta, Nashville. Those are tough games. It's a tough schedule to finish out, especially the way the East is right now. Second place is two points above us, and we have a game in hand. So, you know, if we win next Wednesday in that makeup game, we're second place. And if we lose two in a row, we could be as low as sixth, maybe even barely at a seventh. It's ugly. This conference is a mess in a good way. We've got so many good, high-scoring teams that are just tearing each other apart. And, you know, it, it, it'll be difficult because if, if we can, can't get points off the Western Conference, we, we, we're not going to be able to we're not going to be able to knock any teams around us. We can't stop them from winning. If we fall into some tough form in these next three, four games, all those Eastern Conference games to end the season could get ugly. And you know how big home field it is, especially for this team. We've lost one regular season game at home, I believe, in the last two and a half, almost three full seasons. And that was during an international break with about four of our starters playing. We're practically unbeatable at home. And so to not get home playoff games would be a disaster. And that, again, I repeat it again, that stadium, when it's sold out, it's rocking, man. Um, that Miami game was unbelievable. Um, playoffs last year were unbelievable. The fans show up and you guys are all there when it comes to it. If there was a player, Evan, that you think you want needs to step up. You want to see more. Who would that player be? I would say if we need to see more from anyone, it's going to have to be, I would say anyone that takes turns at that number eight position. Uh, that's Alejandro Bedoya, who was honestly horrific on Wednesday. It was probably the worst performance he's had in years for this team. He, he, he made an individual error that handed the first goal away and kind of from there started giving the ball away, a giveaway of his led to the second goal too. And, He's coming off an injury. We were playing on some unfortunate turf and that happens, but with we on flock hurt and not in the country right now, at least for this week and next Jack McGlynn and Alejandro Bedoya, they're going to have to step up because we can't afford players who aren't fit enough there. We don't have the replacements and we can't afford players who are making mistakes. Jesus Bueno, who's been great at that position. Sure. I'll get to in a moment. He's picked up a slight knock with Venezuela and would make his international debut because of it and sat out Wednesday for that reason. I played Wednesday, my bad, but sat out before that for that reason. And we, we need basically, I would say the three players that take turns in those positions to step up because that's where games are won and lost and to not have a staple of the starting 11 and to not have the depth. Uh, Andres Pereira, uh, Pereira was loaned out. To not have any depth there is honestly pretty scary. A couple of last questions here for you. Uh, question number one, you go into the playoffs. Who is a team you would rather avoid at the moment? That's a great question. Cause we, we were talking about that uh, yesterday. Uh, some of the other writers that I work with uh, and we ran a poll and it's overwhelmingly Atlanta amongst a lot of the union fans. We haven't really gotten a chance to play them. We play them at home in two weeks. That'll be really interesting. We played them once over the summer with a couple of players missing and it was, it was just not a pretty game. It was went down early and it just kind of stayed that way for 85 odd minutes. And it's a team that has made in my, for, for what it's worth for me, had the best summer transfer window, Atlanta and Columbus. And that's the other team I was going to get to. 
worried about both of them. They can score really, really easily. Defensively may not be all the way put together, but I think Atlanta and Columbus might be the two best teams in the league next year. And with nothing really to lose for either of them right now, I'm terrified to face them. I think they could really put four goals past any defense in this league, no matter how good. No, absolutely. And with Atlanta adding Mosquera in, and as of lately, they've caught this this fire, in other words, right, where they are scoring like crazy. Their counterattack with Almada is crazy. It's a, it's a, it's a team that's on a roll lately, and they want to send the message out, which is a very, very good call. Your, the last two questions I have here for you, your expectations. Look, I didn't want to mention to mention this, but I'll mention it. Unfortunately, you lost the MLS Cup game, right? The mm-hmm. final. You you said it. You were five minutes away. Then you guys were, in my opinion, a big contenders as well for the CONCACAF Champions League. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. I know it can be frustrating, but realistically wise, where do you see the team stopping at in the playoffs? And where do you want to see them stopping up in the playoffs? Do you want to see them all the way? I know that, right, as a fans, you want them to win everything. But realistically wise, Mm -hmm. you know that there are moments where, you know what, we don't have the depth for that position. What's a realistic spot that you think the team's going to make it to into the playoffs? And like you said, you know, being so close last year, I mean, I, I didn't get a chance to mention that. And this, like, like I said, this team has been getting progressively closer and closer and closer and going from winning the shield in 2020, making the Eastern conference final in 2021 for the first time, obviously the COVID implications of that game and a game that if we had any of our players, we were probably heavily favored to win and then making up for it the next year, going to MLS cup, which was the, maybe the best experience I've had in the world of sports going out there and being there for that. And now, you know, there's only one step left and that's to actually get across the line. And so in theory, this would be the year where you kind of need to say, put all the chips in, win it. But I'm going to be the one unifan who probably doesn't say that. I, I don't think this is the year I was, I'm going to make the case for why it could be. And that's because on paper, we've got a team that, is defensively up there with any other team in this league, and especially at home, if they can get those home playoff games I mentioned, we don't give up goals at home. We went something like eight games over the summer uh, at home in a row without even giving up a goal. Something like that, trying to avoid giving up goals. And then, you know, you've got three incredible attackers. You've got the highest scoring trio from the last two seasons. You've got players who can score out of nothing. And it's a system that works in the playoffs really well. And that's why we've had so much success the last two, three years in those games. But this year it just hasn't, it hasn't been consistent and hot streaks can happen at the right time, but it's not something I'm betting on. And I, I think the three game series will suit us, especially if we can get the home field advantage for that. I'm not worried about, you know, crashing out right away, but a second round matchup against the Cincinnati second round matchup against Columbus or Atlanta, like I mentioned, and it would be a point flip. I I'm, I'm think either of those games would be fantastic, but I, and, and I think the union win one, two playoff rounds, at least I don't, I don't see us stopping short of really the conference final or the game before it, but something just feels off this year. It doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like a team destined for the trophy like last year really did. So I, I think, we also know the majority of our team is going to be here next year, minus Carranza and probably Kai Wagner, unfortunately. Everyone else is set to stay as far as we know. The money that's coming in from, you know, both Aaronson, Twins, McKenzie, Carranza likely, 
there's money to be spent and this team's not getting any worse. This team's not going away from the top four or five spots anytime in the next couple of years. So I guess to, to, to wrap that into one prediction, I would say we make it probably to the conference final. It, it doesn't feel like the year where this team has it to get through. It doesn't seem like it's destined to happen, but, but I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, like I said, we have the quality and if it's not this year, we'll have that quality next year and we'll have probably hopefully a more consistent path next year as well. And you know what's funny about um, soccer? When you least expect it, the team makes the run. And <laughs> right, <laughs> the the season where you think, you know what, you know, this is where we're going to go. That we're not going to make it to the conference final. turns out they go, they go all the way. Right. Um, and that, that tends to happen a lot. Now, my last question for you, Evan, looking into the future. All right. I know playoffs are coming and it's a long way ahead, but I can tell you now, I mean, I'm a DC United fan and I can tell you where I want the team to focus already in the off season. As a mm-hmm. union fan, where do you think the team needs to focus on in the offseason? Absolutely. I mean, that's a question that's going to depend on how the winter starts to go for us. Doing my best guessing work from what I've seen, Julian Carranza is not coming back. He, he's going to be sold to Europe. There was really good offers, over $8 million rejected just a couple of weeks ago. And it seems pretty clear that this is his last run. So getting, getting that striker spot open in the winter, we're going to need to spend money there. Union fans are calling for money to be spent. We have not spent money ever. Our, we have the lowest record transfer fee in the league. Our record transfer as a club was under $3 million. It, it's time to spend money on goals because that's the one thing you can spend money on. You can go out and buy goals. It, it's just proven, and especially in this league. So as much as Ua and uh, our new signing, Ty Bariba, look, look quite good, there needs to be a temporary guy. There needs to be a number nine. There needs to be someone clinical to at least be that second striker. And then if Kai Wagner does, does leave, it's going to need to be some placement there. Uh, there needs to be a left back because that's the one position we don't have in the academy. We don't have a second team player that can step in. We don't have an academy kid that looks set to go there. It's just the one position that we lack right now through the whole system. So there's going to need to be a creative solution there as far as I can tell. And other than that, it's where we have the luxury this team of not needing to worry about an overhaul. We've had the least roster change in the league over the last couple of seasons. It's really been the same 11 with one or two tweaks every year. Uh, And that needs to be the same thing. It's just fixing the pieces as they fall instead of, you know, an overhaul, like you saw with the DC last year, like you see um, with a lot of these teams that are in the in-between. So making sure we can really give the competitive salaries to keep this team where it's at. And then, you know, spending money on the goals, making sure that we we have that playoff difference maker to really get us that trophy and get us over those lines that we were talking about. No, you're absolutely right. right? Losing Carranza is going to be a big hit. However, money needs to be spent. And if the money comes in, hopefully it is spent. Teams in MLS, unfortunately, spend money when they sell players, six, seven, ten million. And a lot of them keep it and never spend it again. And hopefully the union don't do that. You guys already have one of the best academies in MLS. You guys have one of the best coaches in MLS. You guys are set. Now it's time to spend. However, before that, the playoffs are coming. Playoffs are going to be fun. Everyone wants to see the playoffs. I'm not a big fan of the best of three. I think it's dumb. Single elimination games is best. I think every MLS fan shares that with me. Now, Evan, uh, you're a fan of it? I like the best of three. I I don't know yet. I need to give it a a shot, but I I actually am quite excited because I'm I'm not a fan of great teams having great seasons and you know i 
not even from our own experience, seeing one little bounce kind of change that. Uh, I, I'm excited for the best of three. I'm excited to see home games in cities where we haven't seen home playoff games in years, if not ever. Not saying it's the best system. I would go back to two eggs personally, but that's a whole other conversation I could go on about for hours. Um, but I, I am excited to see games in a bunch more cities, you know, and I, I do think this will let the better teams make sure they get through. This will stop us from, you know, that one seed curse crashing out early. I think it gives the, gives the advantage to the better, to the better rosters. And especially now you have a, a an app, an Apple, Apple TV, where you can see every single playoff game. Yep. That's going to be big. Evan, thank you so much. Look, we've been following each other for a while now on Twitter. I'm glad we were able to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, you have a great page. You always keep up with the union. That's how I knew the whole controversy going on with the contract because I was seeing your tweets. And I'm like, yeah, he's not. He he wants him. He wants the team to play the, to pay the players. Um, mm -hmm. So so I know you're on board. If our listeners want to follow you, want to listen to you, or want to read your work, where can they find you at? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm at sob underscore Evan on Twitter. Uh, I try to give a neutral perspective. Perspective, half writer, half fan. So I, I do give updates, like you said, about the actual situations going on, the actual logistics and the numbers of the contracts. But I also, you know, type in all caps in the middle of the game when the ball hits the post and <laughs> scream whatever comes to mind, because that's what the sport is. And then my work along with some really talented people is at Philadelphia Soccer now. And there's no there, there's no shortage of great places to read about this team. Awesome. Evan, thank you so much for joining. Hopefully have you back either after the playoffs or during the offseason. Thank you for having me. I look forward to it.